Hello, America. This is Mark Gunnigan, your host, and you're listening to The Daily Answer. If you were walking from my childhood home on Edgewood Drive into the heart of Silverton, Oregon, one of the first businesses you would have passed on the right across from the telephone company, and just before crossing the bridge over Silver Creek, was Hoyt's Grocery. The floors were rough-cut wood, like the boards on an old bridge, uneven, large cracks between them. It had the best penny candy selection in town, and maybe, maybe had a total of three aisles. As you entered, you faced a square cooler with an open top, stocked with various brands of soda, all in glass bottles, chilling on a hot summer day in this wonderful bath of ice water. I remember one called Cactus Cooler. Nothing like a cold soda and an ice cream sandwich. And now and then they would have ice cream sandwiches. I think they would come in a pack of, they would come in the pack where you could buy the individual ones, um, the, the ones that maybe like the ice cream man would have where they were just in this kind of brown box. And I remember going in there one day and they had opened a bump and just sent them, uh, set them in the produce section in the coldest part of the store they had. Cause I don't think they had a freezer and there they were. If you wanted an ice cream sandwich, you had about an hour to get one and it was perfect. I like my ice cream sandwiches, not too soft or they're just falling apart in me but I don't want them hard or crunchy. I just want them at that point where you put your finger on the outside and some of that, uh, some of that chocolate comes off and then you have to kind of scrape it off your finger with your teeth, just where your, your teeth are going smoothly down through the sandwich and leaving these teeth marks in them at the end. And a soda. I remember going to Hoyt's grocery getting my drink or my ice cream sandwich and sitting outside as the day was cooling down, but the sun was still up. I had had like little league practice or some sort of baseball practice. I was getting ready for my bike ride up the hill, up a couple of pretty steep hills that would tax the limit of my endurance, but I was going to sit down and enjoy myself with a nice treat before that final leg home. If you continued across the bridge and you would look down at Silver Creek, and if I would look to my right heading out east, that's where it would go and wind up through the city park, past the pool, up past what they called Salamander Island, or we called it that, and the Ludi, where people swim, and then it would go all the way up to Silver Creek Falls. And then if you look to the left, Silver Creek would eventually go out and I believe hook into the Pudding River, which eventually maybe came into the Malala River, which eventually hooked into the Willamette River, then the Columbia, and then out to the Pacific. If you kept going over the bridge, on the right would be the 88 cent store, you know, like what we would consider like a dime store. 
When I was in elementary school, I saw two high school boys busted for shoplifting some 45 records. The police came in, handcuffed them right in the store, removed them from the store, and they went down to the police station and probably spent a little time in the basement in jail. That scene helped me avoid being a thief. Nothing like seeing swift justice to warn the young and the naive. We need more of that today. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11. Nothing like swift justice to keep people lawful, orderly, and help a young man avoid pitfalls in life. Don't want that. No, don't want that in my future. The next door that I remember was John's Men's Shop. John was the owner who would be seated in an old and very large or at an old and very large roll top desk in the back of the store next to what looked like a safe from the period of Jesse James, one that stood as tall as a teenage boy, wide, lots of engraving on the massive door. Even in the mid seventies, when I purchased a suit from John, because, well, I was student body president and I needed, I needed the crown, the queen of hearts at a basketball game. And so I needed a suit. John was still selling hats for men, not baseball caps. That's not a hat and not some beanie, but a man's hat. The type of hats that men wore in the 50s, the kind that my grandfather always wore when he went to town in his 1956 three-speed on the column Chevy. The store smelled richly of leather. There was a fireplace, a big couch in front of the fireplace, and overstuffed, overstuffed leather chairs, glass cases with cufflinks and tie tacks, and shelves of stacked, crisp, white dress shirts. I really miss that place. It was a store for a more elegant and civilized time. There was a time in our culture when people, even if they didn't have a whole lot of money, they tried to live up. They tried to strive for a better life. And often you would see that even among very poor people on a Sunday, they might be very poor, but on Sunday, what they went to services, they had on their best. And they weren't trying to be hypocrites and they weren't trying to put on an act. They were trying to give God their best. They were trying to elevate themselves and they wanted a better life for their kids. But boy, now I think I see a lot of people doing the opposite. Let's live below our potential. Let's go to the store in our pajama bottoms. Or let's go in the store to something that basically, that's just not a bra you have on, is it? My, the women I grew up with would never have went to town, not put together. Because they were seeking to put their best foot forward. They would never went to town and not brush their teeth or comb their hair. Or put on their makeup. Or put on nice clean clothes. They say cleanliness is next to godliness. That's not a Bible verse. But I have a hard time arguing 
I have a hard time arguing with the principle. I believe that the closer you come to God, the more you try to take care of your life, the more orderly you become, the better with your time, your money, your relationships. You seek to put your best foot forward. You don't want to live like the people who don't know what they're doing. Then an ice cream parlor. And I remember pistachio ice cream they served. I don't like pistachio ice cream. Usually with pistachio ice cream, I just try to pull the chocolate out of it. And then I leave the rest. Too much going on. Too much going on in the pistachio ice cream for me. Then the doctor's office. Dr. Grodrian, I believe, had that office. The woman's, a woman's dress shop, a coast-to-coast -coast hardware store where my dad bought me my first baseball mitt, my first season of Little League, a diamond master. It was also where mom picked up some Christmas presents, maybe 68, I'm not sure, Major Matt Mason, an astronaut with a space station. Then Tony's. Tony's was an eatery with a lunch counter, waitresses with beehive hairdos, homemade French fries, homemade. Fr and I remember one time just going in there. Oh, mom took us to town. Maybe, you know, she would take us to town and we would go to the bank. And then that was a day and age where like you would go to the water company and pay your bill. You would go into the doctor's office and pay your $10 your $10 doctor's bill, you went around to the different places in town and you paid your bills. And I remember going in there one time with my mom and little brother and all we got was a plate of French fries, homemade, not shoestring, not Jojo's, but nice size fries that were hot from the fryer and with some ketchup, Man, Tony's had been the uh, go-to place of a generation before mine. It would be like my brother's. He's 13 years older than I am, my older brother. That's where they went. But my, by the time I came along, it was A&W, which was further up the street as you went out of town. Tony's would later become, when I was, I believe, in high school, a Chinese restaurant. I believe it's still there to this day. Old school Chinese, not Szechuan, not the hot stuff, Cantonese. The stuff that people grew up with after World War, the Second World War. Some gum chicken chow mein, sweet and sour spare ribs, egg foo young, pork fried rice, and deep fried shrimp with hot mustard. Ah, Chinese hot mustard. You got a head cold, get some deep fried shrimp and dip it in a little bit too much of that Chinese hot mustard and a wave will go through your head and your soul will leave your body and hit the edge of the moon and then come back and land right into you and you'll go, whoa, and you'll have a, an epiphany with some of that Chinese hot mustard. After this, YBs, basically the main clothing store in town for like kids clothing, men and women's clothing. I got my first you know, it's they they would start to make football jerseys like for teams. But when I was younger, this was the first place I ever saw a football jersey. But so, but it wasn't for really any team. 
it was somewhat patterned after professional teams, but no one's name was on the jersey. And that's the first time I'd ever seen that, that you could actually get something that looked like a football jersey. That was a big deal. On the opposite side of the street, moving back towards the bridge was First National, then it became First Interstate, and now it's a Wells Fargo Bank. Then an empty parking lot for patrons of the Rexall Drugstore, one street over. Next, eventually Willie's Barbershop, and then the townhouse. A long and narrow restaurant, at least initially, with a lunch counter and with daily specials. With, a, with an owner that would go and fish and then halibut would be on the menu that night. It was one of those places that people came to together to talk where all the owners of the local businesses ate at lunch. And you could get a cheeseburger or you could get brown gravy over rice, a French dip sandwich, Chinese noodles, liver and onions, deep fried shrimp, steak. It had a booth also that you could sit in that lined a certain wall and stiff cocktails. Then Handy's Hardware, a store that had been around for oh, maybe 50 years before I was even born and on its last legs where the owner of the store would be there in a wheelchair helping you find whatever you needed. If you then crossed the street towards the bridge and then took a right, you would have seen a real estate office, Chuck's Sporting Goods. I would go in there and just like, he had a, he had a rack of bats, a circular rack of bats. They might have like Roberto Clemente on the back, Louisville Sluggers, or Mickey Mantle, Al Kaline, others. Pete Rose, the Pete Rose bat always had a fat handle. And I would just practice and swing and and it was also that there was only one shoe chuck sold one brand of shoe converse black high tops i remember being a sophomore in high school and the white high tops came out and we all got them and that was a big big deal then fish's bakery western auto an office for the one and only taxi service in town and then a little bit further, there was a local meat locker. Ah, paradise. I have fond memories of mom sending us to town, my dad and myself, to the local locker on a hot August day. She, maybe she needed some hamburger or more pork sausage because mom and dad would typically get half a pig and half a beet beef every year, or dad would get a deer or an elk and cut it up himself, and all of that would be down there in that meat locker. And you had to sign in, and you 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 had you picked up a wire basket, and then you went through a freezer door that looked so heavy it could protect you from a nuclear blast. And then you entered not at 32 degrees. I know what 32 degrees feels like. I worked in the grocery business and managed a frozen food section at Vista Market for years and also at the Ross IG in Silverton. No, this was no 32 degrees. This was like zero. And the floors had sawdust on them. 
The smell was amazing. The aroma of sawdust, smoked meat, and Antarctica. I love that place. Dad would open our locker. Every locker had a, you know, the, the lockers were, they were, they were wood frame. And so they had slats and you can kind of see what was in there and you had a lock on it. And then there was a number on the lock, on the locker. And then you open it up and often packages, white packages of frozen meat with red lettering on it that said steak, hamburger, roast would fall out and go clunk on the ground. I, I, I could stay there indefinitely in that place or, <laughs> or until I froze. It smelled wonderful. I mean, nothing, nothing like just on a hot day, pure cold and the smell of smoked meat and some sawdust. Absolutely amazing. We would get what we needed and then we would exit. And for the next 30 minutes, even though it was a hot summer August day, the temperature of that meat locker stayed with me. I had become Antarctica. It had penetrated every atom and cell in my body. I was like this glorious melting iceberg walking through Silverton in the hot August sun. It was glorious. I'm not sure if there's any local meat lockers left like that in America. Maybe I need to find one, but times changed. There became more dual income households. More moms met, went to work. The mall on Lancaster Drive in Salem was built and would be open until nine o'clock at night. And many of the stores in the big city, that is Salem, 11 miles away, were now open late. A number of the small businesses in Silverton did not adjust, or they did not want to adjust. Gone were the days when there was a flurry of activity between, oh, maybe three and five or three and six in the evening. As the kids were getting out of school and people were busily getting what they needed, running to the grocery store, to the druggist, running all their errands, getting their supplies before the lights went out and the sidewalks were rolled up. What, what once was unheard of, a store being open on Sunday or on Christmas Day, now changed as well. I, I remember the first time, I remember the first time that there was like a shopping center, there was a, a grocery store there, a Sprouse Ritz and a Tiffany's, and the, the, the last two were dime stores. And on Christmas Day, Tiffany's was open. I, I, I just remember that being like wonder of wonders. And I think at the time we thought we had gained something. And I think we lost something. I saw the grocery business change, longer hours. When I left, when I left the grocery business, the company I worked for, they were staying open to midnight. And the reason I write all this is twofold. The memories of childhood are long, long memories. So never underestimate what you say to your children or the time you spend with them. Deuteronomy 6, 6-7. One of the most valuable things you can give them, a real gift, one they can actually use and it will benefit for them for the rest of their lives is a happy and stable home life. 
I will take that any day over lots of extracurricular activities, over-the-top birthday parties, or stays at high-end resorts. Mom and dad did not take a skiing. We never went to Disneyland, even though that's okay. Rather, they gave me a solid footing, a foundation I could build upon for good mental and moral health. To this day, along with God's word, those memories are the ones that help keep me stable. And do we really need to be open 24 hours? I've seen some businesses cut back recently. I wonder if any of them are asking themselves, why do we need to be open at 2 a.m.? I do like the buzz of a city, a place that never sleeps, and I can be a night owl, but do I really need some potato chips in the middle of the night? Something to consider. This is Mark Dunnigan for The Daily Answer. We'll see you in the funny papers.